Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. I am your host, Trisha Stefankowitz, registered dietitian. On our episode today, we are going to talk about three misconceptions that you may have when it comes to your health or wellness goals. Before we start the episode, I wanted to remind you that I dropped a bonus episode on Tuesday, and that was with Genesis Amaris Kemp, and she dove into diversity, inclusion, and belonging, and we talked about what that looks like when it comes to healthcare. So if that's something that interests you, please go check out that episode. So on today's episode, we are going to focus on three misconceptions that you may have. I guarantee you may have at least one of them. And I feel like we may, we've talked about some of these things like peripherally, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into them today. So the first misconception that I feel like a lot of women have is, and I think a lot of people in general, is that you have to be a certain age in order to get some kind of disease state. So I liken this to, and I don't even think it's a good example, but this is what I think of a lot. So, you know, if you're someone who started getting gray hair pretty young, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, if I live to 100, I shouldn't have to be coloring my hair for the next like 60 years. I shouldn't be having gray hair at this young age. Well, disease states kind of work in the same way that you can develop them at any age. For some, for some people, genetics will play a component into this. And for other people, it may be a combination of genetics and your lifestyle, which is what we talk about on here, right? So one of the things that is what women die of from the most is heart disease. The CDC, um, the CDC says that in fact one in three women die of heart disease, which is so interesting because I think when I think about heart disease, or at least when I was growing up, and I know they've done a lot of campaigns about heart disease in women, but in my head I always think about an older man who you know, who gets heart disease. But the reality is, is that more women than men get heart disease and more women than men actually die from heart disease. So that's such an old misconception that even I have in my head. And a lot of these misconceptions that I'm saying, by the way, are ones that I've had, which is why I'm using them on here. So you're not alone. So what's so interesting about this idea of, you know, we think that we're invisible, invincible and that we're going to be so much older when we, you know, develop any of these disease states is that with heart disease, it typically happens earlier if you have other disease states present. So for instance, if you're somebody who has high blood pressure or um, high cholesterol or diabetes, or if you're somebody who smokes or if you're somebody who eats a high fat, high sugar diet and doesn't do a lot of physical activity, that may put you at risk for heart disease at an earlier age. And that's because typically around our age, wherever you are now, you're going to start developing or being at risk for things like high blood pressure. You're going to be at risk for things like diabetes or prediabetes. And the earlier that you're diagnosed with those diseases and the longer you have them, especially if they're not controlled well, then the earlier your risk of 
of developing heart disease is. And that's because these disease states tend to be a risk factor for developing heart disease. So high rates of obesity and high blood pressure have been found among younger people, and the CDC defines this as people age 35 to 64 are putting people at risk for heart disease development earlier in life. So instead of getting heart disease at, you know, 80 or 90 years old, people are developing heart disease much younger than that. So nearly half of all Americans have at least one of the top three risk factors for heart disease. And the main risk factors, according to the CDC, is high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and smoking, with other risk factors being obesity. So on here, you know, I we try not to focus so much on weight because we're really trying to focus on behaviors. But this is science-based too, and obesity is a risk factor for other disease development, especially if you're not doing the behaviors um, that will keep you from getting those diseases. And other risk factors include diabetes, inactivity, eating foods that are really high in salt. So that could be things like um, fast food. And then also foods that are really high in sugar. And when I talk about sugar, I'm not talking about sugar from like fruits and yogurts. I'm talking about sugar from probably more processy kind of foods like um, donuts and cookies and all those really yummy things that we all love. So what's what can be what what I wanted to talk about was that you know just because you're young doesn't mean that you can't get a disease state. As you know, I work, or maybe you don't know, that I'm, I'm a, also a dietitian and I work in a dialysis center. And a lot of people that are there that are on dialysis are people who have had diabetes at an early age that wasn't controlled well, or even high blood pressure that wasn't controlled well that developed into that developed into the need for dialysis. And certainly that's not everybody in the dialysis center. There's different reasons for that. But of some of the younger people that we have, that usually tends to be the case. So now, you know, if you're somebody who is 30 years old and you have high blood pressure that's not controlled, you're on dialysis, well, the risk of then getting other diseases at an earlier age is going to be very prevalent because you have other disease factors present that aren't controlled and that aren't that are just going to keep putting you more and more at risk the more you get of those diseases. So the misconception here is that you can't get a disease state for as young as you are, which obviously now we know isn't true. So when it comes to heart disease and you know what you can do to lower your risk of getting heart disease and also getting any of the maybe diseases that would come before them, such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes would be to really look at any of the lifestyle changes that you can make now. When it comes to genetic variables, there may be things that you can't really do when it comes to genetics, but for lifestyle, that's a really big one that a lot of us can do, or at least we can start focusing on behaviors that can change that. Again, on here, we're really focused on the behaviors that can get you to the goal that you want. And so some of the things in in terms of not developing heart disease or trying to decrease your risk of disease in general is looking at your lifestyle. 
First thing is, what are you doing in terms of physical activity? We know that people who get 150 minutes per week of physical activity have a lower risk of getting, you know, chronic diseases. Um, if you're somebody that smokes, kind of looking at that, that's going to increase your risk of different diseases and cancer as well. So looking at those two things, what are you doing in terms of your physical activity? Looking at if you're smoking. Also, I would say that looking at any underlying diseases that you have. So and trying to manage that. So if you're somebody who has prediabetes, trying to figure out a way that you can get to a place and do behaviors that can help you prevent the development of prediabetes into diabetes. If you're somebody who has diabetes that is related to if that's related to your pancreas your pancreas cells and then not working, you know, it's going to be a lot harder for you because there's going to be a lot of insulin there's going to be a lot of insulin requirement there but trying to figure out ways that you can really manage that and stay on top of it and and work really closely with your endocrinologist to help that to help control that as much as you can so really trying to manage the underlying condition so that you can str- try to stave off heart disease um, by being able to maintain those things I would say also making sure that you really in terms of making sure what you eat. So again, all foods fit here, but making sure that you have a little bit more in balance of what you're eating. So if you're eating things that are high sodium, like fast food, also putting things in there that are going to give you some nutritional value or more nutritional value, such as fruits and veggies. And then conversely, if you're somebody who's eating things that are high sugar, really trying to get things in there that are going to give you more fiber, protein, and really create a little bit more of a balance than you may have right now. And knowing that you're never, it's not going to be perfect. It's just trying to create a little bit more balance than what you're doing so that you can you know, better control some of the things that might be going on. And also I would say making sure that you're scheduling regular appointments with your doctors that are kind of helping you along in this so that you can do whatever it takes and keep doing the behaviors to get you to a place that you can keep your heart really healthy. So that's the first misconception. The second one is something I don't think we've ever talked about, which is that you might be the only one with cellulite. So that's the second misconception. I'm the only one with cellulite. And I want to try to get it, get rid of it because nobody else has it except me. So first of all, let's talk about cellulite. Cellulite is something that's so weird that I almost feel like, do we talk about it? Do we not talk about it? But then I see cellulite on my little like five-year-old's little butt and I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about cellulite because everybody has it. So in fact, you are not the only one with cellulite. 90% of people, it's like 80 to 90% of people. Um, it does affect women more readily than men have cellulite. And so cellulite, as we all know, is that bumpy, lumpy cottage cheese dimpling that's found on our hips and thighs and legs and buttocks. And it's, it tends to be more common for women. 
And so essentially, there's not a lot you can do about cellulite. There are some things to kind of manage it and make it make you feel better and for it to look a little bit better. But it's caused by genetics. That's why my five-year-old has it because he's a, you know, he wouldn't think that he would have little dimples on his butt, but he does. So for women, why it impacts us is just the way that there's a lot has a lot to do with our skin elasticity and I'm not an expert on this so I'm just going to kind of tell you you know what I kind of think about it but essentially there is men tend to have thicker skin and women's thinness is um thinner and so there are typically things like hormonal changes that happen and we as women also tend to have weight changes throughout our life according to our hormones and so that then increases our risk of having cellulite and so what do you do about it well again cellulite is present in 80 to 90 percent of women and I think a lot of us kind of think of it as like some kind of like imperfection like we shouldn't have it and we end up going to all these extremes to try to get rid of our cellulite but Really, cellulite can happen at any age. It doesn't matter um, how old you are. You are a woman and you have different elasticity in your skin and you have hormonal changes. Other things that tend to make it a little bit worse is um, if you're dehydrated, if you don't have good circulation, again, weight changes. So there is, it seems like there is more of an association with having um, cellulite the older you get. And that could be because you could be less active um, and it could also be related to your hormones. And also women who tend to be, um, you know, overweight may also have more cellulite. But I, it's important to note here that anybody can have cellulite. You could be someone really thin and have cellulite and you could be someone who is what you would consider um, bigger and maybe they don't have any cellulite. So it really just depends on, a lot of it is just depending on genetics. Um, and so what can you do about this? Well, I think first is understanding that it's totally normal to have cellulite and that there's, you know, there's, there's going to be things that as you age, you may be more at risk for it because of the hormonal changes that is happening in your body and the decreased elasticity of your skin. And then also perhaps you're not as physically active as you once were. What what things seem to make it better tends to be um, women who have been able to maintain their weight, like at a certain weight for most of their lives, That that is one of them. But again, everybody is so different, so I hate to even say that um, because you could have been the same weight at like an underweight person and still had cellulite. Like again, my five-year-old who is normal weight and has cellulite and he's five. So what seems to be something that really works in managing it is making sure that you kind of stay um, physically active throughout your life. That seems to be something that really helps. And that might just even be because maybe it gives you confidence, but also it probably helps give you that muscular strength um, that kind of helps manage the appearance of, um, of cellulite. 
And then also there was some research back in 2015 that talked about having collagen peptides, so like a collagen um, drink. That might have been something that also helped with cellulite. I haven't tried that. Um, And again, the research is limited, but it doesn't seem like... It seems like some people will swear by liposuction and some people will swear by the different creams in the market, but nothing really seems to be evidence-based. Everything, um, none of those things seem to be something that you're able to maintain for the long term um, and that you can't really spot reduce in one place. So you can't really be like, hey, I want this part of my body to look a different way. It's really just managing it by being physically active, maintaining your weight, making sure you're hydrated. And then, you know, this small study that said that maybe if you're somebody who drinks or does the collagen um, powder, that might be something that helps. But again, limited information on that topic. But wanting you to know that you're not the only one that has that and that it's really normal and that most women that you see regardless of how old they are and what their weight status is will have cellulite. I don't know if that makes you feel better, but it should. And then lastly, this idea, the last misconception that we're going to talk about is that you lack the motivation or that you're lazy to do anything when it comes to your health. I've talked about this before, but I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into it because I think this is something that is probably one of the biggest misconceptions that I hear. First of all, I feel like most people think that you are going to feel like doing something that you don't want to do all the time and that you're always going to feel motivated and that you will be able to maintain this period of being motivated when it comes to making any change, when it comes to making any change, whether it's health related or just a change that you really desire. But I wanted to just really put this in perspective that motivation is something that waxes and wanes. It isn't something that is that stays present all the time. It's, it's fleeting. It's ever-changing. And so you may feel like doing something and really motivated about making a health change now, but then maybe in a couple hours, you won't feel that way. And that's totally normal. You're going to have these periods where you feel motivated and you're going to have other times where you feel like it passes quicker than you would like it to. And I think once you know that, that it's going to be hard to maintain that feeling long enough to really get to what you want to do for the long term, I think that really frees up a lot of, a lot of like that self blame that we do that we haven't been able to maintain our health changes because we're not motivated enough or that we're too lazy to do it. And what I mean by that is because motivation is so fleeting, if you have a goal that's going to take a longer time to achieve, you're never going to be able to maintain motivation for that entire process because that's not how motivation works. Again, it's fleeting. It comes and goes. So you may have periods where your brain feels no motivation and then you may have periods where you're flooded with motivation but neither of those good or bad are going to last for a very long time it's fleeting and so most people if you're really scared of something you're not going to do that thing unless you kind of talk yourself into it because when we're scared and when we're 
dreading something or we're procrastinating doing something, it's not going to, we're not going to just have this overwhelming desire that we feel motivated to do the very thing that scares us, that we're avoiding and that we're procrastinating from doing it. And that there's going to be something that is going to be deeper within us that's really going to be the thing that gets us to really take some action. And it's not going to be motivation. So what do you do now that you know this, again, that we've talked about this, that motivation isn't going to be something that lasts, what do you do? Well, I think you kind of have to really figure out what it is and why you're why you feel like you want this whatever change you want in your life and really figuring out how that's going to impact your life and really really digging into the 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 depth of this idea and realizing that like if you really want that thing whatever health change that you're desiring health change or just any change in your life that you desire knowing that it's going to be really uncomfortable and that Nobody really cares if you do it except you and that you might not feel ready to even take any action, but the only way that it's going to happen is if you do in fact take action, whether you're scared, whether you feel stuck in fear, whether you're anxious, whether you're uncomfortable, that's all part of the process. I myself get in these jags where I get really scared and A lot of times, like it makes me almost paralyzed in fear. And then I take no action at all. And then I look back and I'm like, gosh, it's been a year. I still haven't done this. And perhaps you've done that too. And so, what I'm starting to realize is that even if I'm not ready, even if I'm scared, even if I'm anxious, even if I'm uncomfortable, that the only way that I'm going to do it is if I just take the next step and do it because it will never happen if not because I will always let all those feelings get in the way and I'm never going to feel motivated to just do it and I think I also feel like sometimes like oh something's going to inspire me or somebody's going to motivate me to do it and I look for like these external sources or these or people in my life to make me feel like I'm going to feel motivated to take action. But the reality is it's not going to happen that way. It has to come from within me. And that's the same with you too, right? Like nobody's going to feel and want that health or whatever change it is that you desire more than you. And so that feeling of that desire that you want so badly, it has to come from within you. And that looks like, you know, really kind of digging into why it is you want it. Because again, nobody can, nobody can validate what you want except you. So it has to come from within. And you need to be knowing that, that it has to come from within you. Because Honestly, it's going to be something that you're going to have to keep telling yourself over and over and over and over and over and over again to really make that change happen. Because once you start taking action towards whatever it is you want, it's not like, so the first part of it is, is how do you start taking action to begin with? That's going to come from within you, right? So that's like you digging deep and just taking the first step. But then it doesn't end there. Then you have this whole middle part. 
and of doing all of these new behaviors that you perhaps don't like and you find very uncomfortable and that you're not going to be motivated for. And that's the part that you have to keep practicing over and over again. It doesn't because the motivation isn't going to stay. So you have to be motivated to make the change and you have to be motivated to do the thing every single day in order to get to the goal that you want. And so none of that motivation, whether it's at the beginning of the change or whether it's in the middle, is something that's going to be maintained. It's going to be something that you have to probably talk yourself into all the time. You don't just do it one time and then you're done. You do it and then you practice it and then you practice it again. And, you know, maybe some days it's going to be easy to do that thing that you don't want to do. And then maybe some days it's going to be really hard. And so knowing, I think knowing that motivation isn't, doesn't really exist, that it's not really real, that it's never going to be able to maintain you for the entire process of the change that you want is freeing in a way because it puts the onus back on you and all of that power comes from within you. And so what I would say is to start by doing something small, especially if you don't feel like you're in a place that you're ready to take action and you're starting to feel like maybe it's something you want to do is to start making some small change today, whatever that looks like, and then do it tomorrow and then do it the next day. And the more you practice it, the easier it will get. And then you'll also get to see along the way, you get to see along the way what you get to kind of see like and anticipate the things and the barriers that are going to get in the way of whatever change it is that you want. And so then once you start to anticipate them, you can then start to put some things into place to prevent you from not doing it. And so that's why it's really helpful to know that motivation doesn't really exist because then you don't have to keep relying on this idea that you're always going to feel inspired to do the thing that you don't want to do. And you'll know that it, that you have to be the one that takes, takes action. You're the one that needs to do it consistently and you're the one that needs to do it and, and know that there's going to be some barriers and try to think of some ways to prevent those barriers from doing the very thing that you want. And so These are some of the things that I thought that were on my mind today that hopefully will help you too. So first talking about that, you know, the first misconception that you can't get a a disease at an early age. Um, The second misconception that you are the only person in the whole world or that somebody thinner than you um, doesn't have cellulite because 90% of women do. And the third is knowing that motivation doesn't really exist and that you are you are not lazy and you are not unmotivated and knowing that will help hopefully you to know that you can do the very thing and achieve the very things that you want to do but knowing that it has to come from within because nobody's going to be able to provide that to you or to give you that desire to keep those changes and maintain that consistency for the long term to get to the goal that you desire. So as always, you know, I want to just remind you that change, change is really hard and 
You may not feel motivated to always make changes, but knowing that that's just part of the process and that's totally normal. And I want to remind you to kind of look, look within yourself and don't wait for motivation to just overcome you and don't wait to, you know, don't wait until you have permission from anybody else to, to get, to achieve and start working towards the goal that you want to do that you want to do today and mainly just kind of focusing on the little progress that you can make each day to get to the goal that you want to do none of this is about being perfect all of this is about learning something new every day and then just becoming better at it so the goal is always progress over perfection so I hope that you know, this was something that was helpful to you. If there are any other misconceptions that you can think of that you want me to dive into, you can always email me at info at If you found this episode valuable, please share with any of your friends or family or loved ones, because sharing this podcast is a way that we can start to grow a community of women just like you, um, and really starting to normalize normalizing kind of life and and kind of going against the norms of what we think we should be and having this community is a way that change can happen and the more change that can happen and the more we can support each other so I thank you so much for listening and I will see you guys back here next week have a great weekend